You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. So a few years ago, I was living in Dallas at the time, and somebody invited me to a self-defense class, right? And I I know what you're thinking, right? When you think of a self-defense class, you're thinking of like all these ladies, right? Ready to do the poke in the eyes, right? And the nose and the kick in the groin and all this stuff, right? It wasn't one of those, okay? It was a little bit more intense than that. And so I'm at this thing and suddenly the instructor comes out and he's this really old guy. And I'm like, oh man, I can take this guy, okay? He needs some self-defense from me, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm kidding. But As he came out, he started instructing. And one of the things that he did is he knew pressure points really, really well. And so he was able to grab your hand, twist it in a certain way, and suddenly you were on your back on the floor crying for mercy in just a second. And it was like, man, how in the world do you do this stuff? How in the world can you bend somebody's arm just a little bit and put us on our back? And it was this fun experience for me because I was able to see somebody with just a little bit of force know exactly where to press you and for that to affect you in a big, big way. And as I was thinking about the world that we live in today, my understanding is that we all have pressure points. We all have things that affect us greatly. We all have things that might not be a big deal to me, but it's a big deal to you and vice versa, right? And there's some things that are just a big deal to everybody and there's these pressure points in our lives that we are dealing with on a regular moment. And as these things get pressed, suddenly we are on our backs crying for mercy, asking God for help, and it hurts. In fact, this week, um, I've had some of those moments. I've had some of those moments where if I were to write a list out of things that, this is probably three things that would affect me the greatest. And it was like a domino effect, right, of just one thing after another of the three biggest things that would happen, right? I had a friend that I went to Bible school with that passed away from COVID complications. He's my age, has a 10-year-old daughter, broke my heart, right? And then right after that, right, I get a call from my dad as him and my mom have been dealing with COVID as well. And he said, Jesse, I'm taking your mom to the hospital. She's having trouble breathing. And suddenly I get a call back that says, hey, she's got COVID pneumonia really bad. And uh, she's going to be in the hospital for a while. And she's still in the hospital as we speak. Right? And there's these moments that come our way where we feel the pressure. And it's kind of like, man, what do I do in this moment? There's nothing that I can do for my friend and his family other than care and pray for them. There's nothing that I could do for my mom, right, besides care and pray for her. Right? And easily I could let the pressure of these moments crush me. I could let the pressure of these things that are happening absolutely crush me. And I know for you, there's some things that you're facing as well. And if we're not careful, those things will crush us. Those things will hurt us. But I know that in Christ, there's a way for us to handle these pressures. There's a way for us to handle these pressure points of life. In a way, instead of crushing us, we can let them shape us. We can let them shape us. And for many of us, we've heard the examples, right, of pressure and how pressure can crush a can, but it can also form a diamond. 
and how pressure, depending on how you move that pressure and how you use that pressure, it can either help us or it can hurt us. And my goal today is to get us to a place where we use the pressure points of life to help us, not hurt us, to grow us, right? Not to crush us. And so as we get into God's word today, we're going to be spending some time in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, because there's a guy here who is dealing with some great pressures. He's dealing with some pressure points. He's dealing with some hurts. He's dealing with a moment of great stress. And I love to see how he deals with it because it gives us a picture of how we should deal with it, how we should deal with these stress-filled, pressure-filled moments. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we're going to begin to read here in verse 1. It says, After this, three enemy nations united to attack King Jehoshaphat. So let's just stop here to give you a little bit of context. King Jehoshaphat is the king of Israel, right? He is the king of a nation, and it's his goal to make sure that that nation, it flourishes, that it's protected, that it's taken care of. But suddenly he gets a report that there is three nations that want him and his nation gone, that want him and his nation gone. And if I'm the president, if I'm the king of that nation, that is going to be a whole lot of stress on me because it means we're under attack. It means somebody's coming for me. Somebody's coming to take us out, to take everything that we have, to kill us, to get rid of us. And three enemy nations come to attack King Jehoshaphat. But the spies told him, a huge combined army is marching to Jerusalem right now to defeat you. Scared and worried. Right? Wouldn't you be worried? Wouldn't you be scared? Isn't this a pressure-filled, stress-filled moment for him? He's scared and worried. And friends, I think it's okay to be scared and worried at times. It's okay for us to get in these moments where we're scared and worried. But it's, as I said before, how we handle being scared and worried that really matters because this is how King Jehoshaphat handles being scared and worried. It says, King Jehoshaphat resolved to seek the Lord. King Jehoshaphat resolved to seek the Lord. So scared and worried, his first move is to go to the Lord. His first move is to go and to seek the Lord's face. It would have been easy for me in this moment to call my generals up and be like, generals, let's come up with a battle plan. What are we doing? Let's put our biggest weapons, our biggest men, let's put everything we can into defeating these three armies. What are we doing? But it doesn't say that. It says that his first move, being scared and worried, is to begin to seek the Lord, to go to the Lord in this moment. And it says, King Jehoshaphat, who resolved to seek the Lord, he announces a nationwide fast. So everyone came together to fast and to pray and to seek help from God. And when they all got to the temple in Jerusalem, the king stood up and he prayed aloud. So he leads everybody in prayer. And I'll let you go and read this prayer on your own. But some of the things that come out in this prayer is that King Jehoshaphat is reminding everybody in his prayer about who God is and what he's done in the past, how he's been faithful again and again and again and again. How God has shown up, has shown that his promises are true. He's shown that he's faithful to protect, that he's faithful to help. And he's reminding him this of this prayer, and he's saying, God, would you help us? 
God, would you help us? And in these moments, it's really easy for us to begin to focus on the problem. And when you focus on the problem, let me tell you what happens, right? That problem unwinds and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Suddenly, I'm thinking down the road about my mom's funeral, and we're not even there yet, right? If I allow that to happen in my head, that's what can happen. But in this moment, as we look at these verses, he calls everybody to remember the goodness of the Lord. And you could focus on the problem or you could focus on the Lord. What are you going to do in a pressure-filled moment? Focus on the problem or focus on the Lord? So Jehoshaphat was afraid, so he set his face to seek the Lord. And I love in verse 12, this verse, and if there's any verses that you could take with you today that you could memorize, that you could remember, it's this verse in verse 12. Because it says this, part of the prayer, it says, Lord, we are powerless against this mighty army that is coming to attack us. And we don't know what to do, but we are looking for you to help us. We are looking to you for help. That's the prayer. And that's the prayer that you and I pray in these moments when we've got the pressure upon us, when we've got the things that are happening that we thought, man, this is the thing that can really press my pressure point. This is it here. Lord, I don't know what to do, so my eyes are on you. Can you remember that? Lord, I don't know what to do, so my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do, so my eyes are on you, God. My eyes are on you. And that's exactly what he prays. And that's exactly what we need to pray in these moments. These moments when it seems like there's nothing that we can do. Lord, my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. But as he begins to pray and as he begins to see God, God begins to give him an answer of what he wants him to do. And it's interesting because God, in those moments, he shows up. He gives us real-life answers. You think, man, the the Bible, really? It's 2,000 years old, Jesse? Is it really going to give me answers? God speaks through his word every day in regular life situations. God speaks through prayer. God speaks to us about real-life things that we're dealing with. If we were just willing to listen and hear, God speaks very clearly to give them a reminder of what he wants them to do. And this is what the Lord says. He says, Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but mine, but God's. You won't need to fight in this battle. Just take up your position and stand strong. Then just wait and watch, and you will see the Lord deliver you. Again, do not be afraid or get discouraged because the Lord is with you. Then the king and everyone else all bowed down on the ground and worshiped God. So what's happening in this passage right now? Well, the Lord's saying, hey, just chill out. Do you know who I am? Do you know how big of a God I am? I'm bigger than your problems. I'm bigger than your circumstances. I'm bigger than the stresses of your life. I'm bigger than anything this world can throw at you. Just relax. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's my battle, and I'm going to handle it. And sometimes we tire ourselves out trying to fight battles that we were never meant to fight. And we're exhausted 
and we are beat up and we are broken and we're carrying weights on our shoulders that we were never meant to carry. God wants to carry it for you. It's my battle and I'll handle it. And he says, keep moving in the position that you're in. Keep moving forward and wait and watch to see what I do. So the king begins to give some instruction of what he wants people to do. (laughs) Man, I, I just love this, okay, because it's different. It's different. If it was my choice in this moment, and there's a, there's a bunch of people coming to attack my kingdom, to attack my world, I would get my best fighters. I'd be like, hey, Cody, here's an axe, bro. We're going for this, right? Like, man, I, I got a hammer. You got an axe, right? Thor's hammer, you know. I'm re- we're ready for this, okay? And we're going to put the best guys on the front line who can fight the best. And we're going to say, we're going for this, right? We're going to give this everything that we got, right? I'm going to put the Braveheart makeup on and everything. And, man, we are, I'm not going to wear the kilt, though, okay? But the, but the makeup's okay. And, man, we're going to go for it, right? We're going to give everything that we got here. But that's not what he does. That is not the thing that he does. It says here that the king, in this moment, rather than putting his best warriors in the front line, says, the king appointed musicians and singers in choir robes to march in front of the army. What? Not his best fighters, but his worship leaders? They're coming out like ding, 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 right? Ready to, ready to sing a song or something, right? Man, a little drummer boy coming out there, rum, bum, 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 you know? And it's like, really? This is your plan? This is weird. Is this serious? But that's exactly what God tells them to do. Send out the worshipers in front of you. And as they come out, they begin to sing. And it says that they begin to march in front of the army, loudly praising and thanking the Lord. And this is what they sang. We thank you, God. His love never quits. We thank God his love never quits. We thank God his love never quits. We thank God his love never quits. Right, and they just begin to shout, and they begin to praise, and they begin to sing out to God, and they just begin to give everything that they got to God. Not in fighting, not with their weapons, but with their praise. They begin to sing out to him. We thank God his love never fails. His love never quits. We thank God. And in the midst of this moment, God begins to work, and God begins to show up, and God begins to enter their circumstance and their situation. And friends, let me tell you something. When you are going through it, you can take some time and begin to worship your creator. And when you do, he shows up and he begins to work behind the scenes in ways that you never thought were possible. And he begins to do things that you never thought he could do. And things begin to change in ways that you never thought could change by worshiping, by spending time seeking the Lord, by spending time calling out to him. This is what begins to take place. And it says that at the moment they began to sing and praise that the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to begin fighting among themselves, and they destroyed each other. Wow. They're marching out there, right? Ding, da da ding da da ding Rum-bum-bum-bum-bum. 
And suddenly, without lifting a finger, those armies begin to fight each other. And as they arrive on the scene ready to fight with their guitars, ready to lift their robes and fight, they realize that this army, these three armies, have already been defeated that God was fighting the battle for them, that God was doing something behind the scenes that they could not see, that it involved their worship. And that's what began to change the tide. That's what began to change things. And I love that. Without lifting a finger, with songs of praise, with saying, we thank God, his love never quits. They win a battle. What is the battle that you're facing? Are you coming at it with the wrong weapons? Are you coming at it with your intellect? Are you coming at it, right, with all these things, with self-help books and all these things? Are you coming at it in the wrong way when you need to start coming at it with some worship, when you need to start coming at it with praising the Lord? As they arrive on the scene, it says that they show up and everybody has destroyed each other and they leave that place with all the stuff that those people left behind with all the guns and all the ammo and all the food and all the horses and everything that was left behind. They were able to bring it back with them. They thought they were going into a battle, but what, they, what happened was that God pulled them out of it with a blessing. And I love how God can do that. Because, friends, there's some of you that are going through a battle right now. And if you hang on and you keep moving forward and you keep worshiping the Lord through it, you'll see that on the other side, there's a blessing for you. You'll see that on the other side, that there's something that God wants to give you, something that God wants to do in your life, something that God is forming in you, something that God is working in you right now. We can let it bless us or we can let it destroy us. It's our choice how we're going to handle it. But this isn't just an Old Testament thing. It's a New Testament thing because in Mark chapter 4, Jesus was ministering one day and his disciples said, hey, Jesus, is getting late. Let's get on the boat. Let's go to the other side. So they get on the boat that day and Jesus had been ministering with all of his heart. So he's tired and he takes a nap. And as he's taking a nap on the back of the boat, suddenly there's this massive storm that takes place. And it says here that the disciples are terrified. They are scared. I want to remind you that several of these disciples are fishermen. They've spent their whole lives on a boat. They spent their whole life dealing with storms. They shouldn't be scared, but this storm was like no other storm they had ever experienced, and they were afraid. And it says that in the midst of this, that Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat. And for some of us, we feel in this moment like Jesus is asleep on us. You're like, man, Jesus, I'm going through some stuff right now. And it feels like you're not there. I'm crying out to you, Jesus. I need some help. And it seems like you're not there for me right now. And as I thought about that, it's easy for us to think that at times, but it's not true. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to think, that Jesus doesn't care, that he's not there for you, that he doesn't want to help you. He's just taking a nap. And he's not worried about the situation like we are because he can see it from a different angle. So he's laying there asleep, not worried about a thing, not worried about the problem that we're facing. He knows he's got it under control. He knows he's going to use it to bless you. He knows that on the other side, 
and he can make all things for good for those who love him and been called according to his purpose. He knows the other side, so he's not worried about it like we are. But he's still in the boat, and he's still there with them. He's just not worried, and he's not stressed. And it says that the boat began to fill up with water, and the disciples began to freak out to the point that they woke Jesus up. They shook him awake, and Jesus gets up, and he says, silence, be still. Silence, be still. And it says that the storm completely stopped in that moment. And he says, do you have no faith? And as I thought about this story, and as I thought about the first story that I told, I figured out the key to dealing with our pressure points. The key to dealing with our pressure points is not handling it on our own, not coming up with a good solution. The key to our pressure points and storms in life is making sure that we've got the right person in the boat with us. And the right person in the boat with us as we go through the storms and pressures of life is Jesus. And if you're trying to do this thing on your own and carry it on your own, you will fail, you will fall, you will be broken and beat up. But if you let Jesus get in the boat with you and you say, Jesus, we're gonna move forward. The storms are rocky right now. There's water that's getting in the boat, but I know that you're with me and I know that we're gonna make it through this. So I worship you, Lord. You are faithful and you are true and you are worthy of praise and worthy of honor. So I'm just gonna worship through this, Lord. I'm gonna worship through this. And I'm telling you, when you begin to have that attitude with Jesus in the boat with you, you're gonna make it on the other side. And not only are you gonna make it on the other side, but you're gonna make it on the other side more blessed than you ever thought you could ever be because Jesus was in the boat with you. We let Jesus in the boat. Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.